There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. As we recently discussed in our tight writing segment in episode 940, it's important to have a strong bluff, bottom line up front, in your writing and to support it with clarifying details. Let the reader know from the beginning what your purpose is, especially the so what, which you may remember from our recent interview with communication pro Matt Abrams. The same is true of paragraphs. Think of each paragraph as a mini-essay. You want your readers to know what you plan to present in each paragraph, so starting out with a strong topic sentence is important. It helps you and your readers understand the structure and direction of your writing. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. Stick around because after we talk about topic sentences, we're going to talk about fan elects and whether something can be throwawayable. According to our trusty friends Merriam-Webster and Collins Dictionary, a topic sentence usually comes at the beginning of a paragraph or longer section and expresses the main or essential point of that paragraph or section. Generally speaking, you should stick to one main topic per paragraph. That'll keep your writing organized and make it more digestible for your readers. According to the Toro University Writing Center, quote, the topic sentence is the most important sentence in a paragraph. Sometimes referred to as a focus sentence, the topic sentence helps organize the paragraph by summarizing the information in the paragraph, unquote. It lets readers know what's coming in the rest of the paragraph, and readers like that. Just make sure you follow through with what you're promising by including supporting details for your topic sentence in each paragraph. Also keep in mind the difference between a thesis statement and a topic sentence. If you're writing something longer, like an essay, thesis, or other academic paper, you'll likely include a thesis statement at the beginning that'll summarize the entire piece versus just one paragraph. Toro describes the thesis statement as, quote, a roadmap that will tell the reader or listener where you're going with this information or how you're treating it, unquote. Each paragraph that follows, then, should contain a topic sentence that relates back to and supports the overall thesis statement. Here's one way to look at it. Every topic sentence has a topic and a controlling idea. The topic is, well, the main subject you're writing about. The controlling idea or ideas then steer that topic in a certain direction. According to the Rochester Institute of Technology's Supporting English Acquisition webpage, quote, the controlling idea is the point of the paragraph. It guides the ideas that provide support for the paragraph and limits the scope of the paragraph. Here are some examples. Let's say our thesis statement is, The Grammar Girl podcast is a useful tool for learning about writing and the English language. The topic sentence for our first paragraph then might be, I love Grammar Girl's podcast because it provides real-life examples and practical tips. The topic is Grammar Girl's podcast. 
and the controlling ideas are real-life examples and practical tips. So this prepares the reader for the rest of the paragraph or section, which might provide some examples of real-life examples and practical tips. For our second example, let's say our thesis statement is, getting a kitten will change your life. Yes, our chaotic kitten is back. Our first topic sentence then might be, my kitten has two modes, feline tornado and sleep. The topic is my kitten, and the controlling ideas are two modes, feline tornado and sleep. This paragraph could then provide adorable examples of the kitten's tornado-like behavior and how much he sleeps. Now, let's look at some specific tips for writing a good topic sentence. First, you don't have to include all the five W's in your topic sentence, the who, what, when, where, and why, but you should include as many as necessary to provide context and give your readers a clue about what's coming up. More importantly, though, the topic sentence should include the so what of what follows. Consider the following example. My husband is the best. Well, okay, we're sure he is, but why? What does he do? Why is that important? Now, compare that to, my husband is the best because he takes care of me when I'm sick, allowing me to recuperate. This topic sentence gives a lot more context and detail by including this so what. It allows me to recuperate. You could then follow this up with a specific example of when he took care of you and how that made a difference or other examples of his greatness. To expand on one of our earlier examples by including the so what, we could write, My kitten has two modes, feline tornado and sleep, which means I have to carefully schedule my video calls. Next, keep your topic sentences relatively short and stick to one controlling idea, or at least a couple of related ones, like the examples we discussed earlier. If you try to include all your thoughts in your topic sentence, your readers may be confused about what your main point is and where you're heading. So keep it simple. Don't confuse your readers with too much detail up front. This includes direct quotations. Save them for the supporting details. Also, remember that while each topic sentence introduces a single paragraph, they should all relate back to your overall topic and main point. Think cohesiveness. A normal paragraph will have an introduction, which will be the topic sentence, a body where you'll provide your supporting details, and a conclusion. Keep it coherent by adding transitions between sentences and paragraphs using parallel structure, the same verb tense, for example, keeping paragraphs short and generally related to one topic, and being consistent with your grammar and point of view. For example, are you writing in first or third person? Indiana University Bloomington Writing Tutorial Services has a great example of a cohesive paragraph on their webpage, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Finally, consider putting together an outline before you start your writing. Top-line bullets will be your topic sentences, and sub-bullets will be the bodies of your paragraphs. That segment was written by Susan Herman, a retired U.S. government multidisciplined language analyst, analytic editor, and instructor. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. 
Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then with phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by the Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bans across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, missing pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Before we get to the familect this week, remember that word is a blend of the words family and dialect. I recently came across a fun word and concept that's similar the fan-elect, a dialect that's used among fans. For example, I like Star Trek, and fans of Star Trek will say things to each other like, live long and prosper, which I'm sure you've heard, but also things you may not have heard, 
Like fans will say, shaka, when the walls fell, when something is going particularly badly, which is from an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, where the crew meets an alien species that speaks in metaphors and allegories. And fans of Game of Thrones will warn that winter is coming, although that one is probably so widely known now that even people who aren't huge fans use it too, or at least recognize it, which would make it a catchphrase instead of a fan-elect. Mischief Managed from the Harry Potter books is another one that could be a fan-elect, but might be a borderline catchphrase. Fans of different musicians will also use lyrics with each other and more broadly— Like Taylor Swift fans might say, look what you made me do, or I'm the problem, it's me. Sports fans can have fan-elects, too. My editor told me about the phrase Bucks in Six that started years ago during excitement about the Milwaukee Bucks possibly winning the NBA playoffs in six games, but that's now become more of a general rallying cry among fans. I first heard about fan-elects when I saw that Cynthia Gordon, a professor of linguistics at Georgetown University, was giving a talk about them at the Planet Word Museum in Washington, D.C. And just like fan-elects, these fan-elects are ways for people to connect with each other, bond over their shared experiences, and show that they're part of a group. I'll be keeping more of an eye out now for fan-elects, and maybe you'll notice them too. It's nice to have a name for it. And now I have a fan-elect story that led me down an interesting rabbit hole. Hello, Mignon. A big fan of your podcast here. I have a fan-elect story for you. And so we're basically a non-native household, and we speak in English all the time. And at some point, we have this need to use the, the suffix able for phrasal verbs. So, you know, this suffix you can use for doing things like doable or unthinkable. Um, But sometimes with phrasal verbs, we also want it. And I really don't know how to use it. So we just invented something. So, uh, for example, if you want to know whether something is due throwing away or you just want to ask, then we would say, hey, is this throwable awayable? (laughs) It's a little bit of a joke, but we do it so often that it became a thing. Um, But really because we don't know how do you do it. So do you say throw awayable or is it throwable away? Or, well, you can just say disposable. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a question. It became a joke. Now it became a thing. It started as a joke. It became a thing. It's totally fun for us. So I thought you might enjoy it. Thank you. I did enjoy it. So the only phrasal verb I can think of that I've heard turned into an adjective like this is put down. People talk about a good book being unputdownable. You see it a lot in marketing copy. This book is unputdownable! Exclamation point. Most online dictionaries also have the word. Collins, Oxford Languages, Cambridge Dictionary, Merriam-Webster, they all have unputdownable, although a couple of them call it informal. And although you may think this is new and trendy, the Oxford English Dictionary says it goes all the way back to 1839. They found it in the writing of Lady Lytton, a British author of 14 novels, who was famous in part for very publicly calling out her ex-husband, Edward Bulwer-Lytton, also a well-known novelist, for his infidelity and hypocrisy. So, making phrasal verbs into adjectives with the ubble suffix, A-B-L-E, isn't common, but it is something that's happened before and has been successful enough to make it into dictionaries. And you're in good company with your inventive, throwawayable words. 
The fabulous World Wide Words website has an entry on Unputdownable and has a few more examples, too. Some you'll find in dictionaries and some you won't. But although they've occurred in writing, none of them are words I've ever heard before. They include get addable, untalk aboutable, and unwipe upable. Thanks for sending me on this fun little word hunt. And it turns out that the husband, Bulwer Lytton, coined a lot of phrases we still hear today, including the pursuit of the almighty dollar, the pen is mightier than the sword, and it was a dark and stormy night. If you're wondering why the name Bulwer Lytton sounds familiar to you, one reason could be that the last line, it was a dark and stormy night, was the inspiration for the annual Bulwer-Lytton Fiction Contest sponsored by the San Jose State University English Department, which gives a tongue-in-cheek award to the person who can intentionally write the worst opening line to a novel. I love the tagline on the website, where WWW means Wretched Writers Welcome. The winners are always hilarious, and there's a grand prize plus entries in categories such as detective fiction, western novels, and romance novels. You can read entries on their site going all the way back to 1996. And the 2023 grand prize winner is Maya Pasek from New York, who wrote, quote, She was a beautiful woman. More specifically, she was the kind of beautiful woman who had an hour-long skincare routine that made her look either ethereal or like a glazed donut, depending on how attracted to her you were, unquote. Entries are typically due in June, so you have a lot of time to work on your travesty if you're so inclined. They report that the winner receives a cheap certificate and bragging rights. If you want to share the story of your familect, your family dialect, or a word your family and only your family uses, call the voicemail line at 833214-GIRL. It's in the show notes, and be sure to tell me the story, because that's always the best part. Grammar Girl is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, thanks to our audio engineer Nathan Sems and our ad operations specialist Morgan Christensen, our digital operations specialist Holly Hutchings, and our marketing associate Davina Tomlin. And finally, a special thanks this week to our director of podcasts, Adam Cecil, who became so obsessed with Lucozade, a UK sports drink that's kind of like a carbonated Gatorade with enough sugar to kill a small mammal, that he decided to pack up and move there so he could have Luco every day. And sadly for us, that means that this is his last week at Quick and Dirty Tips. But luckily for one of you, he would love to get a podcasting job in the London area. So if you're looking for someone fabulous with high-level experience at a podcasting network, hit him up. You can find him at adamcecil.com. That's A-D-A-M-C-E-C-I-L.com. We'll miss you, Adam. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, 
which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries. So you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and bestselling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.